What difference can one organization make in a global pandemic? People were worried about the economy and jobs and what was happening, which is incredibly important and valuable. But we just started talking about the kids, and I just said, what's keeping you up at night? You know, kids, kids, anxious kids, kids were losing, kids who aren't showing up on their Zoom meetings for their schools. And we said, well, what are we going to do about it? We're living in uncertain times, surrounded by chaos, fear, even outrage. But a new world is emerging, putting forth beams of hope, healing, community, and recovery. Welcome to Luminaries in the Dark, hopeful stories about people pivoting their life and their work to rise above chaos and help those in need. I'm your host, Bruce Bracken. Summertime is typically when kids get to take a break from the stresses of school and get out with their friends to enjoy the weather and relax and have fun. But this year brings with it many new challenges and allows little opportunity to shed those childhood anxieties. In fact, if anything, those issues may be exacerbated. Mental health is an area that through the years has lagged behind in terms of available and accessible services and support. The era in which we are living has highlighted the need for that support and helped push to the surface new and unique solutions. Joining us today is Patsy Kudebeck, COO of the Snohomish County YMCA and member of the Monroe City Council. Patsy and the YMCA play a unique role and have developed a much-needed pivot to help address the mental health struggles of kids during COVID-19. Hi, Patsy. Welcome to the show. The YMCA has a long and prolific history of serving communities globally and helping people develop in the body, spirit, and mind. And you, too, have extensive experience and history of deep commitment to your local communities, serving on the Monroe City Council and close to two decades with the YMCA, currently as a senior vice president and COO. When did you realize your calling was in serving and supporting the community? And how did that journey look like that took you to where you are now with the YMCA? It wasn't expected that I would work for the Y. I actually went to law school at Seattle University. And while I was in law school, I started volunteering for the YMCA down in Tacoma. And I found that I was spending so much time at the Y and I felt so um, useful and valuable. And I was having such an impact that during my three years at law school, anytime I wasn't in the library studying, which I was a lot, I was also at the YMCA doing whatever I could to serve kids and community. And then after law school, I was kind of at a crossroad. And I really realized that the passion I have for community just led me to the Y, where I felt every time I walked into the Y, it was like walking into a home where people were there to improve themselves, build relationships, betterment of the human spirit, betterment of your neighbor. And that just really led me to a career in the Y. From then on, I just kept moving up in the Y eventually moved out to Monroe from Seattle area to build a Y and build the Monroe Y. And getting involved in the Monroe community and the Monroe Y, it was just a more heightened focus of community because it was a smaller community, very connected. And that got me into realizing that I wanted to serve my community in government, city council. So I've actually been on city council for the last 10 years been a wonderful experience and 
it just dovetails together with my community work with the YMCA. Now, I know there are multiple organizations out there that serve similar functions. What drew you to the YMCA? What drew me to the YMCA is it serves people from everywhere, all economic means, diversity, backgrounds, and it serves people from six weeks old all the way up to senior citizens. Every day is different in the YMCA, and every day you can get to know somebody new. And from the last time we talked, I didn't realize uh, your time spent at the Monroe branch of the YMCA was actually to help build it from scratch. Some people might look at that and feel kind of like it's a daunting task. What was it like for you to build the Monroe branch from the ground up? What was that process like? What did you learn from that experience? It really was one of the best experiences I've ever had. When I came out to Monroe, it was a non-facility, so we had limited programs of childcare and a little bit of youth sports in the schools and in the community, but they didn't have a facility. So for the first two years, I spent time just getting to know the community, joining Rotary, going to school meetings, going to city council meetings. And just really getting ingrained into the community. And that was an absolutely wonderful experience because it's all about relationships. And then the project itself, the task of raising the money first, right? You've got to raise the money and selling that vision to the community. And me having experience with why and knowing what the why can do for a new community, that was just really exciting to share that vision with people. And then the design and then the building itself took about a year. But what I learned from that experience is, first off, no project is too daunting, even if you're starting from scratch and you have to start somewhere. The second thing I learned is it's incredibly important to have a plan, obviously, but to be also flexible because when you're dealing with people, you want to listen to feedback and be willing to change what you have set in your head of what something should be or look like. But if it truly is for the community, you have to be able to change and react to feedback. So I, I learned that feedback was incredibly important. And then I think the last most important thing was hiring a staff went from a staff of probably 10 to a staff of 120 in the matter of a few months. You know, really interviewing and recognizing you pick people with passion and excitement for the work, even more than a skill set. And then you transitioned from Monroe. Once you had that up and going and, and running smoothly, you transitioned to the Snohomish County branch. Is that correct? Yeah. So I, I took on supervising the Marysville branch after Monroe. So supervising both of those and also being an attorney, I took on the corporate office of risk management and my CEO at the time, Scott Washburn was really great in giving me new responsibilities and challenging me. In terms of the programs that the YMCA presents to their clients, you mentioned camps for kids and reaching out to seniors Describe for us some of the programs that you have available to the communities, and are they similar across the different branches, or are some of them unique per community? Child care is one program we do throughout all of our branches, throughout the whole county, and a program that we started this summer with our camp program was really focusing on mental health of the youth. and recognizing that there was a need for mental health counselors and you know support for the staff around that work. 
So that program is throughout the whole county at all of our childcare sites. We also have obviously health and wellness swimming programs like that that are throughout the whole county, but there might be some differences depending on that local community and what that local community needs. It's great to hear that there are programs with a focus on mental health, but it sounds like some of those programs were just recently started due to the COVID era. Forgive my naivety, but it's an issue that's been needed to be addressed for many years. What kind of support existed prior? And then when COVID hit, how did that affect the communities? How did you see the communities react to this crisis? And then what kind of clued you in that you know, this is the moment where we really need to jump in and offer mental health services and support. The motto of the why is we're about mind, body, and spirit, right? And I think a lot of times people see the why as being about the body, right? But we are so much more than a gym and swim because we serve people, as I mentioned before, from six weeks old all the way up to senior citizens. So I think pre-COVID, if you think about youth, you know, we're working with teens and, and mentoring and with mentoring, you can talk about mental health or you can work with teens that might be feeling, you know, anxious or depressed. We also have a large population of seniors and many of the seniors who come into the Y come in for the very reason of staying connected, staying connected to their neighbors, to someone else. And that had a great impact on their mental health is to be able to come in and work out and stay healthy and stay connected. They would create their own social groups at the Y where they would come in and have coffee, then work out, then have coffee again, just so they could continue the conversation and they would meet friends there and then go out together outside the Y. So the seniors really need the Y for that connection and I remember a story of a gentleman who came into the Monroe Y and, you know, he had lost his spouse. He was incredibly depressed, was actually thinking of suicide and was basically sitting on his couch day after day. And finally, somebody said, look, you need to go into the Y. And he did. And it changed his life. He became friends with the staff. He would come in and he readily admitted the why saved my life. If I didn't have the why to come in here and meet connections, I you know, would be dead or still on that couch. So that social connection that the why provided pre-COVID for seniors was incredibly important and just a safe place for kids to go, whether it was childcare or in the teen center. And then, you know, when COVID hit in March, you know, things seemed to change well, they did. They changed suddenly, just drastically for so many people. We were in shelter in place. Schools were closed down. People were told, don't go out. Kids were scrambling to be out of school, away from their friends. Parents were scrambling because no longer they were at home. They were expected to be teachers. That stressed them out. Somebody might have been sick. You can't see other family members or travel. And I think, you know, that caused myself and Mercy Vollmer, who is the COO at the Boys and Girls Club, you know, we just started having conversations about kids and people were worried about the economy and jobs and what was happening, which is incredibly important and valuable. 
but we just started talking about the kids and I, you know, called her one day and, and just said, what's keeping you up at night? And she said, you know, kids, kids, anxious kids, kids were losing kids who aren't showing up on their zoom meetings for their schools. She was worried. I was worried. And we said, well, what are we going to do about it? And, you know, we both had talked about having more mental health support because as you said, Bruce, mental health has been an issue in our communities for a long, long time. If you look at any youth healthy survey results from communities around Snohomish County, depression, anxiety, kids vaping, you know, drug use, all of that stuff has been on the rise even before COVID. And then COVID hitting and everything drastically changing, we knew that kids were struggling with anxiety and depression. And so we decided, this was probably in April, May, we decided, well, we have camp this summer. What are we going to do to help, help kids? And we started talking about getting more support with mental health counselors to be able to come in and, and support the camps and to be there to support kids and to support the staff. And we really just took a leap of faith. We said, okay, well, we're going to need funding. So what do we do now? So we called up the Snohomish County Foundation, set up a Zoom meeting. And Angelique, who is so wonderful, and Carrie Mataw, who run the foundation, we had two Zoom meetings with them. And we shared with them our vision for having mental health counselors at all of our sites and that we partnered up together, the Boys and Girls Club and the YMCA together wanted to hire mental health counselors at all the sites throughout the county. And the Y had about 12 sites and, and the Boys and Girls Club about 19. So we could have a huge impact on kids throughout the whole county. And we had two Zoom calls with uh, Angelique and she just said on our second call, we're going to fund it and we're going to fund the whole thing. And Providence ended up, Providence Foundation also gave us $10,000 and we were able to hire 10 mental health counselors who rotate between the sites and provide support for kids who are struggling or might be anxious. And we also provide support for families if it needs to happen where we need to have a family meeting with the youth. And then we also help train the staff. The other thing we did before camp started is we had Joe Nigel from Monroe School District who also runs Monroe Community Coalition, we had him run, run a trauma-informed care training for all the staff because kids are suffering from trauma. This is traumatic. How do we handle something? If somebody's acting out, do you discipline them? No. Or do you try to find out what is the root of what's going on? So we tried to get our staff more training to help with anything that could happen. And, and what's, what it's showing right now through the summer is that it's having a huge success. It's helping kids who might have anger management or anxiety. It's helping parents who have been struggling with their kids maybe at home, but then have some techniques from the counselor that they can now do at home. And it's also helped the staff with providing support and techniques for them when working with children. I'm happy to see that more emphasis is being put on these mental health programs but not happy that it's due to COVID that kind of surfaced and became the impetus for it. But I'm curious, do you normally collaborate with, say, for example, the Boys and Girls Club, or is this collaboration between you and Marcy and the other folks that you mentioned, is that really just underscoring how important mental health is, especially during this period, that this is kind of a new era in collaboration? 
Yes, I, I think it is. I think when you're hit with a pandemic, I think it's a horrible, horrible thing for us and for our communities. But it also has provided an opportunity for us to think differently and maybe think better and smarter. And so before where some people might have felt there was competition between the Boys and Girls Club and the Y, there only needs to be collaboration. We both have the end goal in mind, and that really is to serve our communities and help kids in any way possible to be healthy and their families to be healthy. So I think COVID just brought a a big lens to it, so that the need for mental health had to happen. If I remember correctly, you said you have uh, 10 counselors who are kind of rotating around. Is that right? Yes, we have 10 counselors, five for the YMCA and five for the Boys and Girls Club, and they rotate between the sites and they work with the staff and the kids and and families if, if needed to just help kids come up with coping skills if they're struggling with things. We also have the county, Snohomish County, actually funded us some social emotional learning kits also that our counselors could work with the students once a week. It's called COPE, and it helps kids do activities around social-emotional learning, which when you're faced with a challenge, that's what you want kids to have is that skill set to be able to acknowledge that challenge, be able to work through it, and come out of it on the other end. And describe for us how the interaction and the process is for the mental health program for kids. It's part of the day camp, is that right? Yes, it is a part of day camp. And we really wanted the counselors to have the trust of the kids, the youth in the camp. So we really wanted them to look at the counselor as another caring adult. And so, you know, it's a somewhat informal process where the counselor goes, they talk to the YMCA staff or the boys and girls staff and find out, is there anyone that is exhibiting difficulty or particular signs that we need to worry about or talk to? And if there is, they work up a plan of, okay, is, is, do we need to get kids in groups so we can talk in a group about some stuff that's going on? Do we need to work with kids individually? If they work with kids individually, they do it in clear sight, but take a child aside and, and work with a child. Uh, we had one child that really struggled with anger management, where he was throwing objects at other kids during this time. And You know, the counselor would talk about anger management techniques, taking time for themselves, being very responsive, you know, and counting to 10 and talking about what he did at school and doing a think sheet. And eventually, you know, he improved. And and that was a success for that camp because he became more part of the camp and wasn't so isolated or felt angry all the time. So that was good for him. I love that you guys have implemented these programs and love to hear these successes. I'm curious, though, you know, the kids come to day camp and they are able to talk with counselors there, but then they go back home. And, you know, I mean, during this period, you know, I can see home life being very stressful, full of anxiety. Do you make available that mental health help and support to the rest of that child's family? Do you reach out to, say, the parents or siblings? Yeah, so if it's a case where the counselor feel that's needed or maybe the youth talks about what's going on at home or it's stressful, then the counselor would reach out to the home and, you know, set up a meeting, a Zoom meeting or or have, you know, talks with the parent 
just to provide support with the parent at home with the child. And, and the kids are learning stuff with their social emotional learning that they can bring home and talk. And we encourage them to be talking with their family about what they're learning at camp and, and talk to their siblings uh, about what they're learning at camp. But definitely if, if it rises to the level where the counselor knows that something's going on at home, we do involve the family in that instance. Are there certain topics, issues, or a theme that keeps arising during these different counseling sessions that might be unique during this COVID era? Yeah, I think definitely feeling isolated, you know, not their normal routine, that things are more stressful at home with parents. They feel there's an uncertainty, an unsafety. Now everybody's wearing masks all the time. You know, kids have become almost immune to them now. If you see kids, they're acting like it's normal. So I think those are some things that keep coming up. And then you just see a higher anxiety where kids will, you know, react quicker to things. I think definitely a higher anxiety, definitely, you know, a feeling of unsafety, uncertainty. Those things we have noticed more since schools have shut down. We noticed it in March and when the Y was providing emergency childcare for first responders for free to the community. And the first responders are people who had to go to work, the police, the medical professionals, anyone who was needed to help care for the community. The Y was providing childcare during that time because the schools were shut down. And, you know, same thing, you know, and high anxiety, their parents were working, they were in out of school and in childcare all of a sudden and still had to continue school. So all of that was going on. And, you know, it really did affect the youth pretty dramatically. We're in summer right now, so no school, but it's a hot topic right now about whether schools will physically reopen or not or, or open virtually. And I know that you've partnered with schools what do you think will happen in the next couple of months? How do you keep in touch with kids? Like, do you, do you ever lose touch with some of these children during this time? Yeah, I think that's a great question. I think we stay in touch with the kids who are clearly in our summer program now, who some kids who are in our summer program are in our school program, right? So that does cross over. You know, you have to be careful about an adult staying in touch with kids, right? through social media or whatnot, we try to stay in touch with families and, you know, send out information to our families about what's going on at the Y, what we hope to do in the fall, if they need any resources. So we're staying in touch with families through email, through phone calls. What we are looking at for the fall is, you know, we're really going to be here for the community. Um, some schools still haven't released, districts haven't released what they're going to do. We know it's either going to be remote learning totally. You know, the wise prepared to be there for kids and families during this time. So if we're allowed to be in the school and provide full day care for kids K through five, what we hope to do, and this is just kind of breaking news because I just talked to the county yesterday, because of the work we're doing this summer and because of the partnership with the Boys and Girls Club and because we've chosen to partner up instead of compete and, and get our story out, the county has agreed to, through the CARES Act, support the Y up to 320000 
from September through December to continue with our mental health work, our mental health counselors in our childcare program, whatever that looks like in the fall, whether it's full day, every other day. They've also said that we could hire paraeducators who can help kids with online. They're going to need to be learning. They're, if they're doing school remotely, we need to provide support with them so they don't get behind. And then also continue our social-emotional learning work with a second step, which is a, a kit that we were going to do this fall with the kids to continue that work on their social-emotional development and then provide more training for staff. So we're really excited that the county has stepped up to provide the support to continue the mental health work and the educational support kids are going to need, no matter if it's remote learning completely or a hybrid model. Uh, you know, we're going to have to pivot as soon as we find out which one it is. So now with this program being somewhat new, what's the response been like? What kind of feedback have you gotten from not just the kids, but maybe the families and, and parents as well? Yeah, I mean, the feedback we've gotten from the parents has been overwhelmingly positive, you know, to have that extra support there for their child, and they know how stressful things are and how anxious kids are right now. And kids are also bombarded with a bunch of information. So, you know, not just about COVID, but about protests and, you know, the racism that's going on in our community. So I think having the more caring adults you can have who can help kids kind of think about things and kind of weed through all this information and, and come to a good kind of thought about it is important. So we've had a positive response from the families and we've had an incredible response from our staff too, who feel like this extra training has helped them handle situations better, but also has helped provide support for them so they can continue working with kids with activities. And if they have a, a child or a youth who is struggling with something, they have someone who can help with that, who's trained to help with that. So it makes the whole program run smoother for everybody. That's a great point. What kind of training did they get? How do they view their role being different than pre-COVID? I think having the trauma-informed care training that was required, of course we did it through Zoom, but the three-hour training to give them kind of the skill set around recognizing trauma, how to deal with trauma. That was very important to have before we started summer camp, and that's pre-COVID. The feelings of anxiety and loneliness extend beyond just children. I know you have programs set up to reach out to seniors, to homeless, and others. Have you expanded any of these mental health services to these other groups as well? You know, we haven't. And that, you know, that's a good point. I mean, what we've done for seniors is obviously the why, as I talked about earlier, plays a big role in senior mental health just by having seniors connect and not feeling isolated and having a place to go and, and activities. But what we've done since COVID is we actually started making phone calls because we we're shut down and we recognized seniors couldn't come in. So we've actually called over 2,300 seniors in the last four months just to check in on them, just to talk to them, just to call to say, how are you? Do you need anything? Are you doing okay? And if somebody's not, we would try to get them, you know, resources, uh, whether it's a doctor or, or have resources they could turn to. But there was one family that him and his wife were both ill with COVID. 
And we had called them to check in on him. We didn't know they had COVID called to check in on him. And, you know, they weren't okay. They had no food. They were out of groceries. So what we did as wise staff, we have such great staff here, is they got the grocery list, ran to the store, got, got them their groceries, and dropped them off at the front door for them. So that's the kind of thing that wise staff are what we want to try to do. And I know it sounds so small, but it was so important to that couple who then were able to get that help. And just reaching out and talking to seniors, some of the conversations would last 40 minutes, 45 minutes just because people were so happy that the Y reached out and, and talked to them and cared about them and, you know, wanted to check in on them. So we're continuing to do that work. It's incredibly important to reach out to seniors and connect them. This is such a great pivot. I love the fact that you all have implemented the mental health program into the day camp, but that's not been your only pivot. You've done a couple of other things too. And I wanted to really quickly call those out as well. For example, daycare for frontline responders. So that was a need, you know, obviously with schools being shut down and hearing that we needed people like first responders, fire, police, uh, medical professionals to keep caring for our communities during this time. It was asked of the why, can you do childcare? It's an essential service. And we said, of course. And we offered that free to first responders not wanting to have them have to worry about payment, especially since during time normally their kids would be in school, right? So they wouldn't be paying for it. So we did that free of charge. And we did that all the way from March, I think, 16th when school shut down to June 19th. And then we went into summer camp. So that was an important pivot. The, you know, that's why the Y's been here 120 years and will continue to be here another 100 is, is that we help take care of community. You know, I hear from friends and family that we'll never go back to the old normal, but we will evolve into a new normal. What do you think that new normal will look like in terms of the communities that you serve, but then also for the YMCA and the mental health program? How do you see that evolving? I can't wait to get to that new normal. I, I, you know, I read an article in Seattle Times about how Washington is in purgatory right now because we're not necessarily moving forward, but we're not moving back. So the new normal will be a very welcome state for most of us. But the new normal for the YMCA, I mean, we're going to be there for what the community needs. So I think what is going to be a part of the new normal is, you know, we're going to have to be there and, and keep providing mental health services for teens, for kids K through five, for families, seniors. We have a program where we do showers after hours for homeless people. They can come in and shower and get their laundry done and get some food, but the next step might be also offering, you know, some mental health services with that program that we do. But I think one thing that has been missed right now and what we're doing and what kind of still is keeping me up at night is for the teens. I mean, what we talked about today was the K through fifth grade childcare. We're doing it in childcare and summer camp. And we do the outreach for seniors, which again is very important for their mental health. But the teens, you know, teens are in a position, middle school age kids who can be home alone. And when school starts again, whether it's remote learning or a hybrid, 
you know, the Y needs to find a place and support for teens to come in and, and receive some services or mental health counselors being available and also some educational support during the times that they're not in school. So that's kind of my next project is, you know, I love that we're caring for the K through five and the seniors, but the middle school age group, we need to find some funding so we can set up our YMCAs to become places where teens can go when they're not in school. And if they're doing remote learning, can get services there that can help them. Because if you have kids, and I have a teenager right now, she's 13, I know what they're dealing with, you know, and it's a lot. And they're more aware of everything else. And they're growing up in a time with all the political unrest and the protests and COVID and, you know, they're more aware of it. So my next, you know, hope is that we can focus on teens and get them more support in the Y and get them, especially during the school time that's coming up, you know, someone going in as their freshman year, it's going to look so, so different. Someone going into sixth grade, it's going to be very different than it would have been a couple of years ago. And they're going to feel it and they're going to need a lot more support and they're going to need a lot more support from the community and from the why. And we just need to step up. It's so great to hear that because I was going to ask you about that. You've got uh, kids in a certain age bracket that are receiving mental health support now. And then what happens in a few years as they grow out of that bracket? But it sounds like you're going to have that covered. Well, I'm going to try. So <laughs> we're going to need some, you know, some help from the community. And, you know, I talked to Marcy and as we partner up again on this, we'll go searching out for funding just specifically for teens. And, you know, I think funding for the younger kids has come to us easier because it's also childcare, which is essential for people to go back to work. I don't want to leave the teens out. I don't want them staying home alone. Am isolated. And I know families try to do their best. Believe me, I, I know that. And some families will make choices and have a parent home. And some families can't make that choice and are, are going to need to leave their teenagers at home. And that's where we need to make sure they know that they can come to the Y and get that support they need during this school year. And so in looking for the additional support and funding, how can people help? How can they reach out to you? And what are the different areas that you really need help in? Yeah, I mean, thank you for asking that. They can reach out on our website. It's ymca-snowcove.org, and we have a donate button there. They can also call me directly. I can give my cell phone if you want right now. It's 425-268-8079. And really looking for funding to support teens as we go back into the school year. So the funding would provide where we could have counselor and also a paraeducator or somebody who's trained in really supporting kids around education on the days that they're not in school. I think that's going to be incredibly important. And then, you know, we might need some supplies to outfit our teen centers to make them more conducive to an educational day. But, you know, we have pools, we have gyms. So when we open, if we open, we can certainly set up our wives to become places where teens can go there on the days they're not in school and get that support. So any type of funding would go far and help us, especially teens across the county where we serve, again, in our six branches. Well, hopefully we can get the story out there and get you the much needed support and funding and volunteers that can help further your current programs and then hopefully the, the teen program 
soon to come. Yes, soon to come. Well, Patsy, the Y has had a great history in helping people, body, spirit, and mind, and really fantastic to see that the YMCA is kind of taking the lead in implementing, especially that focus on the mind and mental health. You all are doing amazing work over there. Uh, I know the communities really appreciate it. And I really appreciate you taking the time out of your very busy schedule to chat with us and tell us your story. Well, thank you, Bruce. I really appreciate you hearing this story and recognizing its worth and getting it out so the community can hear it. So thank you. It's important during these uncertain times that we do what we can to help light the path through the darkness. I'm your host, Bruce Bracken, for Luminaries in the Dark. Stay safe, stay healthy.